0: Hey, this is PJ Souls and you are totally listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Woo, keep listening.
1: in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that has such sights to show you My name is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're delving deeper into the mouth of March Madness as we open up the tournament and welcome the HorrorCast and the F This Movie Podcast as they help us break down the surviving horror classics from our 1987 bracket. Mm -hmm. But before we get into that, gang, let me remind you we are part of the ever-expanding Phantom Podcast Network. Phantom. And you can find all of our past episodes, along with a host of other horrific horror podcasts, over at downrightcreepy.com. Or if you're like me and you'd like to listen to us on the go, simply search for Nightmare Junket in your iTunes or SoundCloud app. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your phantom hole. I was waiting to see where we went with that. I like that. So, gang, we have made it past yes. the first round mm-hmm. of the Into the Mouth of March Madness Tournament. <laughs> we've had some upsets.
2: Yes, we had, we had some, some some heartbreaking upsets. Yeah, we we've, were actually
1: going through therapy for a lot of our choices. Uh, we've had a lot mm-hmm. of good interaction with our listeners, and we wanted to make sure now that we're going past the first round. We wanted to do something different, mm-hmm. because God help us, if you had to listen to us talk about the same movies Right, over and
0: over.
2: <laughs> Enough with the evil did too, god damn. It. <laughs>
1: we like to hear ourselves talk, but, but
0: at the same time we
1: wanted to kind of spread the wealth, so we thought this would be a good idea to make sure when kind of introduce you guys to the various we always talk about the other horrific horror podcast on the Phantom Podcast Network Phantom so we wanted to make sure we brought them into the fold because we want to make this kind of a yearly thing yeah. where we get together with all of our brethren.
2: And the best part about it is being interactive. I mean, with yeah. other podcasts, the listeners. The listeners. I mean, this has been so much fun. Such good responses. I've been digging this a lot.
1: And again, if you're haven't, if you playing along at home, please tweet us uh, your results. Hit us up on mm-hmm. Facebook, Nightmare Junk on Twitter, uh, Nightmare Junkhead on Facebook. But so uh, with the round of the Scream 16, uh-huh. with every single with the from uh, 77, 87, 97, and 2007, we are going to bring in various members of the Phantom Podcast Network. Mm-hmm. And then for the uh, round of the Hateful Eight, we're bringing in other special guests. As you heard, uh, we're going to have Patrick Bromley from the F This Movie podcast, you know, after the break here. So to open up the round of Scream 16, gang, our first featured podcast can be heard Mondays over at uh, downrightcreepy.com. They are going to take you on a journey through the world of horror. From the HorrorCast podcast, we welcome to the first time on Nightmare Junkhead, the man known as Mark Nato.
3: Hey, what's up, guys? Mark Nato. All
1: right, man. Thank you for taking the time out to talk with us, to get this debate going, all that kind of good stuff. Um, Before we get started, please promote all of your social media. Where can our listeners find you out on the, uh, the interwebs? Plug, promote away.
3: Well, first of all, I would like to say thank you for, for allowing me to be on. This is uh, something I love to do, man. I love to talk movies. I love to talk horror. And this, this tournament, man, this is, <laughs> this is good stuff. and I love it. The Scream 16. I love that. And um, when I saw that uh, you're doing 77, 87, 97, 2007, I had to jump on 87 because I'm a child of the 80s. Love it, love it, love it. So I'm looking forward to that. Basically, um, the horror cast... I know we say Mondays, but you know, we, it's, it's bi-weekly. Um, I, I try to have it out every Tuesday. Not Tuesday. So, okay? yeah, I know that that's scheduled for Monday, but I try to have it out, uh, every other Tuesday. And, uh, we, uh, right now we have four co-hosts myself, uh, Walshy, who is our, our, our main, you know, host guy that you'll hear most, um, leading the, the podcast, Revenant Vin. Check out his blog at uh, revenantreview.com. That guy is a, a beast on the the blog. And then horror gal Susan uh, from out in L.A. And we just uh, we just like to, ho- to talk horror movies. We do one new horror movie and one older horror movie every uh, episode. Right now though, we're in the middle of like our monster um, series, where I think it's the eighth episode in a row we're doing monsters. And we just are going to be dropping uh, next Tuesday our Wolfman. Ooh, uh, we did three Universal Wolfman. So, yeah, man, uh, you can check us out at um, at the HCast on Twitter. Uh, I'm the guy that runs that, so you'll be interacting with me. We also have a presence on Facebook at uh, the Horror Cast Official, with uh, you know about about I think about three thousand members and a lot of people nice. um, mm-hmm. do a lot of uh, you know interacting there. So that's basically where you can find us, or or email us if you're if you're old school, <laughs> you know, and, and you actually sit down and write emails. Uh, Ask the Horrorcast at gmail dot com. So
1: excellent. Well, thank nice. you. And, and again, I love the fact that you've already got somewhat of the community going over there. Um, that's what we really are aiming to kind of build over here as well, obviously with Phantom Podcast Network. So we're so happy to have you in as a member of the family here, uh, given just the fact that you guys have already got a pretty good following there. So congratulations on
3: that. Oh, thanks very much. And, and, I, and we are very excited to be a part of Phantom Podcast Network. It's, a, it's an awesome uh, thing to be a part of. I love the site, downrightcreepy.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of good podcasts uh, on there and, and more to come. Oh yeah, that's yeah. it is ever expanding,
1: um, and the fact that um, we get a chance to talk with you guys—that was the biggest thing for us—is a chance to do the cross-pollination. Yeah, will. exactly. Just uh, all... Seeing what seeds work and uh, you know everything. <laughs> what germinates. <laughs> so one of the questions we always ask anyone that's on the uh, the podcast is how? What was your horror origin story, or you know what got you into the whole genre of horror?
3: Well. Um... I go. I went to camp when I was a young child, and uh, and the counselors were having sex while I was swimming, and and I I drowned. No, I'm just kidding. uh, My horror origin story is not quite that uh, cool. It's just growing up with an older brother. uh, He's three years older than me, who forced me to watch everything. Um, Probably way too young to watch things. Um, I, I remember. Some of the the first horror movies that I ever saw uh, were The Shining, oh. at, at the, probably the tender age of uh, seven, I think. And, oh, my goodness. And, and then um, my <laughs> dad, my dad. And I'm, to this day, I've never even mentioned it to him. Like, you know why? <laughs> but he took me to the movies to see this, this movie called Ghost Story. And I don't know if you've ever with, heard of it. With
2: Fred Astaire and uh-huh yes. and a, like a bunch of old-timers that are sitting yes. there talking about this ghost story that movie is dope all right now
3: seriously <laughs> that's a great movie but traumatizing yeah <laughs> after all. okay because it's a freaky ghost story so, um and then i just grew up again with my older brother we we got into everything in the 80s uh with uh of course starting in um really the seventies with Halloween and then all the Friday the 13th and, and uh, nightmare on Elm streets and Hellraiser and all that. And I just, have always loved horror, man. It's just not uh, someone was on my uh, Facebook account. They told me the other day that they don't like horror movies anymore because they're so predictable and you know, you can tell exactly what's going to happen and everything's been done. And I'm like, look, I don't watch horror movies Like to be scared anymore? I mean, do you guys? Does anything really scare you anymore? Not not normally. I I look for you know original ideas. I look for good acting, good stories. You know, uh, and and that's what I love. So uh, it's like mining the horror, (laughs) you know, for these for these nuggets. Because last year, I think I watched uh, about two hundred (laughs) and fifty brand new 2017 releases wow oh yeah i watch everything wow everything i mean like if it was like ninja zombies versus you know navy seals which by the way is a real movie (laughs) i've watched it different than the book (laughs) it was based on i read the read the novel read the novel yeah the novel the novel was great but it was a little too long for me 700 pages but (laughs) But that's what I look for, man. I'm looking for that, that nugget that I can uh, share and and, uh, and talk about. So, And there's been so much in the last few years, man. I feel that we're in like a, like a new golden age of horror. That's mm-hmm. just me. There's so much stuff. So
2: since you've been seeing all these movies and you're up to current events, is there something that we should be checking
0: out?
3: Well, absolutely, you should be checking out The Void. Mm-hmm. Which yes, did, as I've already talked about, so yes. I'm, I'm not gonna, um, you know, go into it very much. Right now, it's number one on my list uh, in my top ten of the year. I just man, we, had, maybe, a see, yeah, we yeah, had a that chance to see me way. Yeah, we had a chance to
1: see it over. We had a, a Panic Film Fest here in the Kansas City area, and it was one of the films that played. And yeah,
3: it. it's
2: it, oh my it, it's wild.
3: <laughs> I'm really, I'm really. um Kind of upset because it it is having a a limited theatrical release, and on their Facebook, The Void, you know, they they posted all the theaters that it's going to be. And I live in the Baltimore, Washington area, Mm -hmm. so it's it's there's usually some good stuff here. That's nowhere around here. I mean, they're they're showing it in Pittsburgh for crying out loud, (laughs) but they're not showing it here in the Baltimore, Washington area and the guy was like oh sorry about that it it, it comes out on vod oh, the man. same day like okay well you know
1: it's not the same not experience the same. yeah
3: so i really wish i could see it on the big screen because this is uh, vin and vin and i my co-host vin he said man that's the best uh, uh version of hellraiser i've ever seen yes you know cause, cause it's 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 the thing it's hellraiser it's it's just a lot of different uh things and i I loved it yeah i I reckon it to
1: a uh, carpenter mixtape turned to
2: 11. yeah if john carpenter made a clive barker movie
3: (laughs) yes yep um i also checked out uh there's a i love shutter yes I just give Shutter way too much love. They we, should be paying me. We, we do, do the same. Same exact same thing. Dude. I mean, come on. Yeah. I made a commercial for Shutter on a <laughs> podcast because I love it so much. But they they've got a, a movie on there. We go on. You guys have seen that?
0: Mm-mm, have not. It's a
3: Shutter Shutter exclusive, um, and it's it's just a it's a good story. It's about a guy who uh, is he's he's scared of everything. He's scared. To even go outside he's scared of life he's scared of getting sick he's scared of death and he feels like he would not be scared anymore if he could have proof that there's life after death so he gets uh, some inheritance money and he puts out this this um, ad- advert advertisement what am I British I was gonna say <laughs> that's very very proper <laughs> Well I say and uh, now he puts out this ad you know, $40,000 to anyone who can prove to him without a shadow of a doubt the the proof of life after death. And he gets tons of, you know, crazy people and he narrows it down to like three or four people that he thinks there's good leads. And it's basically him getting more than he bargained for. Um, and Ooh. I think it, it's, it's a kind of a, a really... Um, Original idea, so check that out on Shutter. We go on.
1: I've heard bits and pieces about that one actually, and it was when you're describing. It's like, wait, I know this concept, and it's like, no, that's it. So I've read that, about it. That sounds awesome,
2: man. That sounds crazy.
3: It, it, it's, it's not. I mean, there are some freaky parts, some creepy parts. Uh, again, it's it, nothing scares me, so I'm not gonna say, oh my gosh, I was scared to death. But man, it was such an original story. I'd never never heard of you know that kind of Hmm. premise before so and then one more thing i've got to say this because i've been um really really putting a lot of uh love behind this movie on our podcast but it's brimstone have you guys heard of brimstone no brimstone not at all already available on vod did you guys um watch um bone tomahawk last year yeah bone tomahawk uh-huh a lot of people love bon- Bone Tomahawk, and it's and it, it was kind of like that Western feel, and then like the last 20 minutes, it goes, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, and becomes full, full-out horror. Well, Brimstone is a Western. It's a sweeping Western with incredible visuals and incredible dialogue and incredible, um, uh, j- just the score is sweeping. It reminds you of like one of the nicest looking Westerns you've ever seen, but it's mm-hmm filled with dread and horror because Guy Pierce plays a, an evil reverend huh. who, who is pursuing um, this girl across the West and the girls played by Dakota Fanning. And it, it, to me, I mean, a lot of people will say that that's not straight up horror, but I don't care, man, that, that, <laughs> that movie was great. So check it out. Well,
1: check I'm, it out. I'm looking at the cast list. It's, ridiculous there's dakota fanning uh uh, carice van houten who if that's the red woman from game of thrones (gasps) oh and speaking of
3: game of thrones kit harrington is in it really Uh, yeah it's it's, if you if you hmm. like kind of like slow burn westerns mixed with like mystery creepy horror yeah this is and um what did you think of uh did you ever check out the proposition the Proposition. That remind- it
1: is uh, actually it's a Guy Pierce in a Western again. It was written by Nick Cave and it's uh, uh, directed by Warren Ellis, I believe. It's a real nasty, gnarly Australian Western. Uh, it's not horror, but kind of like you said, it's one of those that can have some horror elements to it.
3: Well, I wrote it down. So. It's it's
1: well worth your time.
3: Mm.
2: It's It's a good one. That yeah. brimstone sounds cool.
3: Well, I'll tell you what. I'll watch Proposition. You guys watch Brimstone. Deal. <laughs> I want to I hear what you guys think Deal. Uh, of Brimstone. Cause... We'll
1: report back on this one. We'll be little our Cub Reporter hats on. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure also one of the things I really like that you guys do on the podcast is you will do the rotating host bit. Um, I'm curious just in terms of, number one, how did the podcast come together,
3: first off? Crazy stuff, man. We, <laughs> we There was already a podcast. um we've been going for about a year and three or four months right now. And before that, there was a podcast called killer flicks. And I, if you listen to our show, you'll know that I listen to way too many podcasts. (laughs) I am on the road for my job a lot. So it's basically eight to 10 hours a day that I have to fill uh, in my ears. So I listen to hundreds of podcasts. And uh, if you are one that, has made it to my regular rotation thumbs up. And All you right. guys you guys are. <laughs> so, Thank, you. Thank you. Yes. But um so I just out of nowhere, I found this brand new podcast called Killer Flicks and I liked it. There was a guy named um um Slasher Matt was his name and Walshy was on there and they had a different other third co-host. And that guy after like the third or fourth um, episode quit. (laughs) He was like, I don't want to do this. And just, you know, all the stars aligned because slasher Matt lived 10 minutes down the road from me and I didn't, (laughs) didn't even realize it. Wow. So he mentioned where he lived on the podcast and I was like, crap, (laughs) you know? So I, I looked him up, you know, on, uh, Facebook or whatever, and I gave him a message and we met and he asked me to, uh, you know, to come on and guest and then after that i was a regular and then that ended uh, unfortunately at about episode 20 and we're not going to go into what, <laughs> right. what happened because a lot of our listeners will will know and uh, <laughs> so the three of us that were still there we had also added Hargal, susan we decided to to move on and keep going change the name and uh, about a month later we we launched uh the horror cast. And then episode seven, we added Revenant Vin. And that's, you know, we're right now, we just dropped last week uh, episode 30, but we have put out, there's a lot of different things. There's lots of, um, we do guttural reactions Mm because I go to see everything in the theaters. So I'll give like a 10, 15 minute guttural reaction to, you know, a spoiler-free thing. So that's up there. We've done commentaries. We've done interviews with... It's it's been crazy the last year and a half. I never thought that I'd get to interview Tommy Lee Wallace and and things like that. I mean, that guy was a great interview, and we put those things out there. We 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 interviewed Nathan uh, Basil from Leslie Vernon, and oh, yeah, just just had some great experiences. Uh, and and nobody on our podcast has like a you know a background in horror journalism or, or any <laughs> of that. But it's just something that we do because we love it. Yeah. And uh, that's that's the way it is, man. We love it. We talk movies. We we try to put it out every other week. But, you know, hopefully people enjoy it. And it seems like they do. So
1: I think it's also you guys are very genuine. And that's one of the things I also listen to a lot of podcasts <laughs> myself. And it's usually I the one thing I always look for or listen for is good chemistry between the host and people that are actually having fun. And that that's the one important. one thing I really like that with your guys' podcast. Um, and also just, you know, you talked about you do, you know, an old flick and a new flick, but you also do a variety of segments where you've, you're catching up with news. You're talking about the boutique Blu-rays that are breaking my bank right now, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. nobody's dirty business. And so I wanted to give our listeners a chance to kind of get a, a taste of what you guys did. So I wanted to see if you would be willing to play with us here and, you know, do a little segment you would pull from your own podcast and let us participate in it. Absolutely. So that being said, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it to you, Mark NATO. Which one shall we go into?
3: Well, I would say that we could do, um, you know, what have you been watching? I guess I, I've already kind of gone into some of that, <laughs> but um, we could do what What have you been watching? And that's where we just talk about uh, what we have been watching since the last time we talked. Um, so why don't you guys Why don't you guys start and, and awesome. tell me one thing that you've been watching? so i horror
2: non-horror just.
3: it's it's our motto is all killer no filler oh, okay. you know it's all <laughs> horror we don't we don't talk too much about anything else so. all right
0: cool
1: I'll, I'll open this one up because i did recently see a flick that i think people will debate on whether or not it is truly a horror film but i definitely i would qualify it as horror um i recently i was able to see raw Over. oh man
3: that's one that I had advanced screening tickets too and it snowed here and I couldn't go. Oh, no. How 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 was it?
1: I really enjoyed it. It um it was a very visceral reaction to it. Um here's the thing, I think if you go in anticipating it there, because there's a lot of hype and one of the things we talk about on the podcast is with a lot of the kill,
0: hi, yeah, hype, yeah. kill it.
1: Hyperbole is just you know the death knell of it, right? Like for me, I usually try to go in with a, just an even keel. And for me, I was so surprised in terms of how strongly I reacted to the film. Again, it was just such a visceral reaction. Um, I was telling Genius Off Mike, it's kind of like a um, a Cronenberg college comedy gone <laughs> awry, because yeah. there's some really interesting body horror in it. Um, but then also you get this, like, just this transformation, this coming-of-age story for this, this girl in this vet school. And let me also tell you something. <laughs> I am going to walk slowly with my back to the door every time I see my vet now. Because if they're anywhere near as crazy as these vet students over in France, good lord, man. Oh, Well,
2: that's a whole different thing. Like, the and the males, they are sick, cause they need the wine, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if, like... <laughs> I don't know how they do it. in vive la France, but, you know.
1: I will say, I, there was a scene in here that um, I have a pretty strong stomach when it comes to horror. Um, and as, again, I was telling Genius Off Air, this, there's a scene in there that made me gag about as much as the uh, custard scene in Dead Alive. <laughs> which, oh, just still makes me. But there's a scene yeah. in here that, and there were, um, we had a big group actually that went to see it, which was great, but we were all like, Knotted up, curled up, like trying to like, ew. not. Oh, it was intense. It was super intense. But there's also a really good touching story between sisters. Uh, it's I I I loved this film actually because it's one of those that I was pondering and just you know thinking about after the film, long after the film. So I don't I can't do it justice by talking about it sadly. But it's one of those that if you can see it, especially in a theater, especially with a big crowd that's the way to experience it really oh yeah oh yeah it was oh it was fantastic i have to check that out man yeah. that's something I want to see and <laughs> obviously a lot of 1987 flicks so right genius something else
2: <laughs> <laughs> um like when i was asking if he would qualify as horror um i was the thing that came up to mind was the headshot movie that we saw mm-hmm. the other night um the mo brothers where it was just so violent and some of the the action scenes and some of the death scenes were just bat shit insanity where i'm like whoa just the amount of guts and gore that can be bones broken was just super dope it was a good fight scene and a good fight movie throughout and i thoroughly enjoyed my time seeing that movie so it was
1: and given the 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 uh, the, the writer director combo uh, the mo brothers uh, but yeah they definitely have a strong horror pedigree and so they're kind of transitioning into this almost it was kind of a who am i film yeah. slash our martial arts film slash crazy, just violent. In, film. Right. It, it's a good combination. it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. We actually just started a um, film club through our local Alamo draft house here. And so the whole idea is we get together, we watch a crazy current genre film, and then we talk about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. So we kicked it off with headshot. It was really good,
3: man. I wish I had an Alamo draft house around here. We're well, ready. we did, we did, we have one about 45 minutes from here, but it's, the ownership is not that great. They don't play many horror flicks. Really? Huh. No, no. Oh, that's no. a shame. Yeah. So there is an Alamo Drift House two hours from my house. <laughs> and I have driven there on multiple occasions uh, because they have a, um, a Psycho Cinema thing every Tuesday night. And I've seen The Exorcist there on the big screen, uh, you know, The, the Shining and, and all of that. Things that you hardly ever see on the big screen so uh, yeah. i'm jealous i'm jealous well, we we're pretty fortunate we're,
2: with the- yeah we have we uh, host one at the alamo like that called the horror show and we've shown um life force we've shown nightmare on elm street three we've shown 35 uh, yeah all on 35 millimeters <laughs> american werewolf and in, in uh, london halloween three halloween three we've shown it on the big screen it, it, it's been fantastic so much life,
3: life force, man. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a crazy movie. <laughs> that's chick is just nude the entire movie. We'll God occasionally... bless
2: Matilda May. <laughs> we will we'll occasionally call something a Matilda
3: May esque
0: performance,
2: right? So,
3: yes, yes. <laughs> um, so well, yeah, no. I've got one more that I, talk, I didn't talk about that I watched um, last week, and it's uh, The Devil's Candy. Ooh, Did you yes. guys get a chance to check that out yet? I heard that, that's insane.
1: That one actually, we have another little independent theater here called Screenland where we actually do a live podcast called right. <laughs> uh, Nerds of Nostalgia, but they recently had that here and I missed it and I'm so yeah, upset. Me too. Um, tell me how badly I should be kicking myself, Mark Nato. How good was it?
3: Well, I really enjoyed the movie. Exactly what you guys just said with Raw is the hype <laughs> around this movie. First of all, it was done, like, two years ago, I think. Yeah. And and it's just been, you know, it played just at like, a bunch of festivals, won a bunch of awards, and there was all this uh, hype. And I was like, when is this dang movie coming out? Yeah. And I kept trying to find out when it was coming out, when it was coming out, and all of a sudden, boom, it's dropping. And um, I was fortunate to, uh, to get a, a screener of it and watched it. And while I really, really, really liked the movie, it's a little different than what I had you know, envisioned in my head, but it's, it's definitely, uh, one of those, you know, there's like a, a demonic force in a house kind of, um, causing somebody to do certain things. And it's a, it's a relationship between a, a husband and a wife and a, and, a, and a father and his daughter. And there's some great heavy metal, you know, <laughs> uh, music in this movie, uh, like, like really only metal heads will know, you Know who this <laughs> is, is playing in the background. Um, it's not, it's not like vibe. ACDC, I mean, it's not, it's it's like you know stuff that people have never heard of. Um, and Ethan Embry mm-hmm. looks like a ripped Jesus in this movie. I'm not sure what happened, but he's got like <laughs> a 12 pack and he looks like Jesus. And uh, yeah, he he's uh he's a, a painter and he kind of gets possessed because of this house he's living in and. Uh, it, it it's a great movie. I just, when you expect something else, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, uh, so I would say, don't kick yourself too hard, mm-hmm. but kick yourself enough that you'll watch it as soon as you get a chance. I mean, uh, I don't know if it's going out at the movies at all, but I know it mm-hmm. comes out officially on, D, on VOD on this, is it is it this Friday or is it, it might have already come out. I think it,
1: it came out last week, I believe, on VOD. Last week? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I yeah, just, so... I guarantee you this, if you watch it it's not a waste of time you will you will enjoy the movie, whether it's gonna be in your top ten of the year or whatever <laughs> not sure, but you
2: know you liked it like <laughs> no, I'm just stuck on the idea of a buff Jesus kicking ass like I kick ass for the Lord, you know or something <laughs> uh, kick ass for the Lord. yeah it's definitely not it's definitely not uh
3: you know. Peter Jackson uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, Jack. right. <laughs> it, It's definitely it's definitely got a, a sense of dread to it and some some cool stuff going on. So definitely check it out. I, the guy who um who did it, I believe. I don't, again, I'm horrible with names, but I know he's the guy that directed The Loved Ones. I don't know if you ever saw The Loved uh, Ones, I the Australian. One. Yeah, where where the crazy chick kidnaps the guy because he wanted to go to homecoming or the prom or something, mm-hmm. and they. torture the hell out of him but yeah so this guy's got a
1: sick mind yeah very very family friendly there um so yeah no that's one i definitely want i'm a huge heavy metal horror fan um i actually gave genius a history of heavy metal tour the other day through some records i dug it it was a you know your own personal heavy metal that's awesome your heavy metal hessian guide it's quite good so let's go ahead and get into the uh round of the scream 16 here yes so gain we went from eight films to four films mm-hmm. and to get to that four man it was soul crushing of man and you know i had to leave some of my personal favorites behind in the name of science if you will because right. we are trying to take a more academic approach in terms of a you know talking about what we enjoy about the films but also putting it through a rubric mm-hmm. and for our round of the scream 16 we're going to look at two things in terms of what moves on to the next round so we're going to look at in terms of kind of the, again, the nostalgic feelings we have towards mm-hmm. the film. The one that gets us closer to the heart, <laughs> if you will, much like Getty Lee would say. <laughs> "Close to the
0: heart. <laughs>
1: and then lastly, I want us to look at it and say which film is more important to the genre, i.e., if you took one of these films away, mm-hmm. which one would leave 1987 poorer? So Mm -hmm. what we're going to go ahead and do is I'm going to open this up to you, Mark Nato. Tell me your initial thoughts on our first battle. We have Sam Raimi's Evil Dead 2 going up against Clive Barker's Hellraiser.
3: All right. This is where (laughs) it's going to get ugly. (laughs) Lay it on. Lay it on. Um, I love Hellraiser. Hellraiser, in my opinion, is just a work of genius. Uh, and it's and it's actually very scary and very um <laughs> visceral i love the, the the demons in the leather and and just it's just great i love the the box i love all of that i love frank what a slimy oh, yeah, he... bastard of a of a guy <laughs> the, the special effects in this movie the, the you know when you find out how they did things you know when he's when he's has no skin yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just It's so gross, and it's so good. Uh, Clive Barker is a maniac. Um, Also, Julia is a friggin' – I can't stand her. She she makes you just want to come through the screen and choke her. And then Ashley Lawrence is a great, you know, someone you can root for. So a little bit of everything uh, in this this movie. And – When it goes head-to-head to to me with Evil Dead 2, uh, not that I don't like Evil Dead 2, but I don't like Evil Dead 2 as much as it seems everyone else does. And that's where the collective, (gasps) right? (laughs) I kind of had
2: that, like, I was like, oh. uh." Now, I
3: I don't mind Evil Dead 2. It's fun, and it kind of reminds me of, of, like, a Peter Jackson's, you know, Brain Dead. It's just, you know, crazy blood spraying and and, you know the claymation and, and all of that stuff and it's a fun movie but I prefer the the original to Evil Dead 2 so I think if we go by these criteria that Evil Dead 2 the world could go on without Evil Dead 2 because we have the original the world could not go on without Hellraiser that's that's what I think
1: I I actually like that argument so let me throw this out here just in terms of kind of Similar things between the films. Um, number one, both of them have Spawn franchises. Yeah. So I think we can definitely say both of them exist in the film world, and they also exist in the
2: literary world. They're like, uh, the, the series world, uh, the toy world, just, yeah, so they're their, their separate. So their go beyond just yeah.
1: the film. So I think, you know, both of them work with, well that way. Also, what's really interesting, I think, between the two films is they're both very gory, but the gore is used so differently mm-hmm. with each film.
2: It, yes. it, it's it because it, it, you have lighthearted fun, over the top gore with Evil Dead too, and then you have this the gnarly, the like hey, hey, just we've got such sights to show you. And the cinnabite that gore, the body horror, the sexual gore where you're like, mm-hmm. so you know you're hundred percent right about the two different gore factors. Um I would even say,
1: um, if you, uh, to make an analogy with Evil Dead 2, because I am also very torn between these two in terms of kind of where my loyalties lie, um, Evil Dead 2 to me is one of those films that's kind of like with The Velvet Underground, where they say not many people heard The Velvet Underground, but everyone that did made their own bands and started to get into music. To me, Evil Dead 2 is kind of that same thing where not everyone saw it, but I'm telling you, it influenced so many of our up-and-coming directors now that it's, just, it's much like The Velvet Underground. <laughs> but at the same time, with Hellraiser, oh, my goodness, it's just a meaner movie. Um, you know, it's based on actual good literary works. Clive Barker, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's to me, it's really tough in terms of the, that, that nostalgia feel for me, because Evil Dead 2 is a film I can watch anytime. Yeah. You know, I mean...
2: Evil Dead 2 is a comfort film for me. Um, I mean, it really is. Like you said, you can watch it any time. And I, th- I think also the fact for me... <sighs> hellraiser i have that re- weird history with hellraiser where i couldn't see it the first time because it freaked me out that being said going back to the gore and the fun and how to take which one out of the world this one is a little bit harder for me but at the same time to me if if we have hellraiser if we don't have hellraiser if it just disappears, we don't have all the other franchises, we don't have, or no, we don't have all the other sequels, mm-hmm. but we still have Clive Barker stories, we still have Clive Barker movies, we still have Clive Barker fucking action figures, right? If we take Evil Dead 2 out of the game, that's it.
1: Well, again, but I will say, kind of like Mark Nato said, you know, but you still have the original. So there still is some.
2: But for me, also, I'm going to have to go with Evil Dead 2 for going ahead because it's just a more fun movie. It's more, I don't want to say more, I hate saying mainstream horror, but it's more like a fun thing. Sometimes you have to be in a certain mood to see Hellraiser, but you can see Evil Dead 2 anytime. You can Mm -hmm. sit down, it's a good intro horror too um where something is fun and you can see it when you're little and you don't freak out like i did you know <laughs> yeah but
3: and it, and it is it is a bit more iconic than the original as far as like things that are quotable and and shots and things that you know come on you swallow this and those sorts of things um but and and would, would this be the case if there's no evil dead 2 does that mean there's no army of darkness right
2: and for me, I need my I love me my army of darkness. I would rather have an army of darkness than Hellraiser four. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. I would rather have Ash versus Evil Dead. I would rather have, you know, if if I had to choose, like, what, what would I rather be in a world without? I would rather be in a world without Hellraiser than a world without Evil Dead too.
3: Okay, say that's I mean, that's tough, man. That is tough. Now, now with this criteria. So now, now you're bringing in like the whole universe of of Ash versus Evil Dead well, and all that, you know, which which to me is phenomenal. Really good, really uh, good. Oh yeah, I would so.
1: uh, I would say this in terms of <coughs> one of the things just even look, thinking about it now is but comparing the two Evil Dead two like you said genius is one you can really fall into any time. Mm-hmm. But one thing I think that Hellraiser it almost it serves as more adult horror. Yeah. Kind of like a tra- and No surprise in terms of the immediate thing I thought of was Candyman. When we talked about how that's more of an adult horror film. Yeah. And of course, mm-hmm. where are they both from?
2: Yeah. Clive Barker.
1: So to me, mm-hmm. he really gives you that more complex horror um, because the Cenobites in the film, yes, they are the bad guys, but they're not the main antagonists. No,
2: they're just pleasure demons.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, to me, that actually gives you, it plays into more shades of gray So, you know, to me, this is one of those films that is a transitional point in growing up. But you can't deny the influence of Evil Dead 2. You know, just look at just what Sam Raimi did.
2: To me, Evil Dead 2 is more of an important movie, you know. Mm -hmm. So for those reasons, personal reasons aside, I mean, exactly. It's just the the, the world that it built. I mean, you'll still have Clive Barker's world The Hellraiser was gone, you know.
1: This is very true. So, Genius, are you saying for your vote between Evil Dead 2 and Hellraiser? Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 2.
0: Mark Nato, I'm going to throw this one out to you
3: here because I'm, I'm pretty sure I know where you're going to go with this one here. I just feel like, how about this? Like, what is, when we talk about cultural, mm-hmm. you know, uh, huh. who, if you put a picture of Ash and a picture of Pinhead, and you ask just the normal person, (laughs) which one of these do you recognize? I'm pretty sure about 90% of people are going to say, oh, that's the dude from Hellraiser. Right. They might not not know his name is Pinhead, but they might. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm not so sure how many people would say, oh, yeah, that's Bruce Campbell, that's Ash.
1: Ultimately, I'm, I'm the most horrible sure. thing they probably say is that's the guy from *Burn Notice*.
3: <laughs> oh, that's the guy from Xena. Yeah,
1: yes. Yeah.
2: Wasn't he the? But wasn't he the the, the the that one guy in that *Dark Man* and *Spider Man* movie? Maybe I <laughs> something. I can't remember.
1: <laughs> well, it, yeah, you posed. That's a very interesting question because, uh and so for me, again, I have to go with. The logical side, because to me that's because if I didn't go logical, the gate would be in. The right. Of Hellraiser. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I think because it is a more complex, more um, a transitional period for me. I'm gonna go with. I am actually gonna go with
3: Hellraiser. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what. A, that's what I would go with. Uh, you know, that that to me was the easy. Easy one of the, the two matchups we have tonight. So, all right. So, That's just me.
1: So, we technically have two votes for Hellraiser and one for Evil Dead. Too. Hey,
2: the crowd has spoken, man. So, uh, for the official bracket, I'm going to have to go with uh, Hellraiser moving on.
1: Oh, swallow your soul. Oh, oh,
2: both Creepshow is- and Evil Dead. God damn. Jesus, wept <laughs> 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 You did show you me guys some can't side see me shit. Right now,
3: but I've got like hooks in my face. <laughs> You're so down excited. Down. Just, yeah. Yes. And like I said, there was, there's
1: whoever wins that one, we all lose and we all win. Unfortunately. So, <laughs> Hellraiser. Moving on to oh my goodness, going into the hateful eight. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. So, Mark Nato, you mentioned and you told us off air that one of these brackets was completely easy for you. And the other one, that's the one that's going to keep you up at night. So I'm really, really anxious (laughs) to hear your thoughts on our final matchup here. uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors versus Prince of
3: Darkness. Oh, man. This is my childhood. (laughs) Um, Can I just say, we're the Dream Warriors. Come on! I love, love, love that song. <laughs> talking man, talking oh. was my jam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street three, Dream Warriors, uh, is is right there with the original Nightmare for me. Mm-hmm. Both of those movies, uh, of course, night the original Nightmare is a little more, um, you know, straight horror. Mm-hmm. It's not Very you know, much so. It's not quite as wise cracky, um, and. It, and that, that was a movie that genuinely scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. And it doesn't anymore, but it took quite a while. I was like 35 until it stopped. <laughs> uh, and um, uh, so it is such a nostalgic mm-hmm. movie. And I know that's one of the criteria that we're talking about. Uh, the Dream Warriors has a little bit of everything, it's got great horror. It's got great one-liners. It's got good comedy. It's got cool characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was the the freaking gang of teenagers, <laughs> you know, who, who all had these superpowers in their dreams to take down Freddy. And it was just a cool thing. And it had the soundtrack with the song. <laughs> and it was a huge, huge movie. And when we're talking about... Cultural significance, man. That movie w- was huge, and and Freddy Krueger was mm-hmm. huge. I mean, there were kids dressing up like Freddy Krueger <laughs> yeah. for Halloween. I mean, they had the the ugly plastic, you know, the, the one piece plastic, you know, Halloween costume at Kmart. You know, of Freddy Krueger um because, <laughs> know, why not? I'm, I'm like why are you dressed like freddie krueger he's like a child killer <laughs> I mean, that's not cool. but um so i think that it's so so iconic i mean the fact that uh we get to see uh, uh nancy come back heather langkamp no, comes back mm-hmm. i think craig wasson is actually really good in this movie patricia arquette is good in this movie uh, some of the one-liners, man. Welcome to primetime, prime time, bitch. <laughs> and, 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 and the the scene where the the drug addict's arm yeah, oh, little a, little mouths, pucker you know? mouth. Gross. I mean, to this day, the the scene where where Freddie is is using the guy's tendons, yes, as, as the puppet vest, marionette. I mean. So iconic. What, hey, you're not, what you're not seeing right now is I he, was he's literally pantomime. doing pantomiming. <laughs> yes, and then you, you get John Saxon back. You get yep. You get Larry Fishburne mm-hmm. before he Le- was Bev Lawrence. He was yes. Larry. <laughs> uh, uh, pre-Morpheus. You know. Um. So there's so much to like about this movie. You get the you get the actual um kind of like folklore behind mm-hmm. Freddy. Son <laughs>
2: of a thousand maniacs.
3: Yeah, which I'm not sure I understand because <laughs> okay, a thousand maniacs might have raped her. Only one's getting through. Oh God, mm. right? Am I right? Or was it like a blend? It, maybe a- it
2: was like a mix. Maybe they had like like a little Jamba Juice shaker or something. I don't I don't know. I mean,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm afraid of where this is going. to Yeah,
1: go. <laughs> I thought we were going to go like twins, Arnold and Danny, and then we're right like completely <laughs> different on that one. Um, You mentioned all the great effects in there, and that's uh, Kevin Yeager really kind of strutting his stuff in this film.
2: And Uh, then Frank Darabont.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, this is the fact that it was written. Yeah. And directed by Chuck Russell, Mm -hmm. uh, who did The Blob later. who was fantastic. So, yeah, there's, as you mentioned, Mark, there's so much to like and to love and to actually respect about this film. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really blew everything up with Nightmare on Elm Street.
3: Yeah, I think it's probably... One of the the most uh, well known 80s horror movies, mm-hmm. I think so. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I had the we had a chance to screen this on 35 mil, um, and it was so dope. It was great because it was very it was a very challenging print. Uh, <laughs> our buddy Brett, who's the projectionist at the Alamo, I mean, he had to work for that yeah. one. Uh, but to see it with a, a crowd was fantastic. And I had I was lucky enough to host the Never Sleep Again marathon. And so, uh, you know, going through the entirety of the Nightmare series, but once everyone got to three, I mean, that the crowd responded. Um, you know,' it was, it's a fan favorite, you know? Well, it's, it's a
2: lot of people's favorite. It's my favorite mm-hmm. one. Um, and like you said, it's just cool. you have the cool. you have the teens who are beautiful and bad and the, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and you just have this little ragtag bunch of like kids who are just trying to survive. and who hasn't thought at that age of having superpowers and taking on shit, you know what I'm saying? this was, this was an awesome,
0: awesome movie.
1: And they gave you characters you really did care about. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest. Um, actually, that might be my main argument between these two films, also. But yeah, you actually care for these teenagers. You care yeah. for their plight, mm-hmm. and you're you, you actually you're, you're devastated when they die. When they die, yeah. yeah. And,
3: and you know the the rewatchability. Oh, yes. On Dream Warriors is through the roof. It really I is. Mean, you could watch it pretty much every day. Um, <laughs> now, I know I just heaped a lot of praise on Dream Warriors. But Prince of Darkness. <laughs> um, I'm a John Carpenter guy. Love oh, yeah. John Carpenter.
0: We love John um, Carpenter, too. In
3: this movie, we actually uh, reviewed this movie on uh, our podcast, and I had a special guest on, and, and he did not like this movie and rated it like a 4 out of 10, and our friendship was over. Um, <laughs> I was like, I can't be friends with someone who doesn't like Prince of Darkness. But this was one of those movies that I was afraid of. When I was a teenager, um, just because I was raised in a uh, very kind of strict Christian home, and this movie, like the cover, oh. this guy's face being stretched <laughs> out, and then the green anti God, anti matter, the, the ooze or whatever, and, and just Prince of Darkness, and then you look at the back of it, and it's got that picture of Alice Cooper, mm-hmm. who, who, who my youth pastor told me was the devil himself, <laughs> um, you know, so. So this movie scared me. I was like, man, what? I'm, I'm kind of really scared to watch this movie because I think I might be possessed by Satan if I watch it. <laughs> or at least Buck so, Flowers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but then I, I, I did finally watch it, probably probably my junior year of high school. And my, all my friends hated it, but I, I liked it. Uh, I loved the, um, the score you guys said you were listening to the,
2: it's on you know, the score back- to
3: the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So good. Um, n- uh, there are some, the, what might separate this from dream warriors is I think what you were saying, uh, was it Greg that was saying it, um, just about the cast. About the cast. I yeah. mean, it was just, these are older people, even though they're supposed to be grad you know, students, <laughs> students, they're supposed to be, I guess, graduate students. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, And that almost, you know, it's not like I really care too much about, you know, Jameson Parker with his porn mustache. Right. Uh, um, Now watch what you're saying about mustaches because you (laughs) must
1: know I am rocking a sweet stash (laughs) right here because we recently did a Cannonball Run podcast, so I had to go the whole method and go Burt Reynolds.
2: He he went the full Burt, the full Reynolds.
1: (laughs) The full Burt. The full Burt. (laughs) Man. I I agree because I think, unfortunately, with Prince of Darkness is the characters are just straight-up fodder to die or become possessed. But in terms of the level of horror, and I mentioned it before, and I'm glad that – Mark Nato, you had a similar experience. I brought this film over to a party and I never got invited back from people Yeah, I heard, I heard so <laughs> uh, on, the, on the episode. I'm glad like, yeah, to know this, that Prince uh, <laughs> of Darkness coming back. Yeah, just has its influence spreads, much like <laughs> the anti-god. We're going to, from the
0: future. Don't
1: take it to the
3: party. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. what you said, man. That nightmare sequence is oh. is, is haunting the, the whole homeless army oh yeah that hobo
2: militia no 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 (laughs) the one thing no it's two steps above chuds (laughs) no hobo militia for me and an alleyway from a street oh hell no yeah Yeah. (laughs) so i think and it
3: it does have some really cool kills in it i mean you've got a you've got a bicycle kill (laughs) that's gotta give it some points Points. straight Um, straight from alice uh, cooper stage show i love it yeah yeah and um I love the the when the dude turns to insects, you know, out mm. outside the window. He's, that's like, I've got a message, and you're not going yes. to like it. sir. <laughs> like, no, yeah. we are not, sir. Yeah, and, I and prayed for him six times. It's definitely uh, more of a thinking yes. person's horror. No, yeah. Even though you can think and think and think about it, and you're never gonna <laughs> understand it because John Carpenter just made a bunch of crap up, you know. So. <laughs> Um, there's no deeper meaning. <laughs> no, and that's
1: that's the power of the master, you know. Right. Yeah. You can read into it, and I think that's to me the challenge here in terms of choosing between these two, is because I know in terms of the one that's definitely closer to my heart, nostalgia-wise, it's probably Dream Warriors because I remember the first time watching it, it was literally just like I know I'm supposed to be scared, but Freddy's kind of making me laugh a little, mm-hmm. so you know that really weird feeling. Um, and then of course with Prince of Darkness, man, it's it's JC. Yeah. yeah. So anything with JC. So let's throw this out here. In terms of the rubric for the one that's closer to your heart, Mark Nato, which one
3: would work for you? Closer to my heart is, without a doubt, Dream Warriors. Okay. And that's not in any way, shape, or form taking anything away from what a good movie, Prince of Darkness, is. Mm-hmm. But but if we're gonna stick to this, you know, rubric and and these are the criteria. I I think Dream Warriors has got to. Got to come out on top for me, <laughs> genius.
2: Uh, for heart, I'm gonna have to echo what he says. Dream Warriors, it's just such. I have such fun memories of seeing it in the movie theater. I have, and it's one that I can watch it over again. It was great memories watching it again in the movie theater. Uh, just for me on the personal level, like I said, my favorite uh, Freddie. Uh, one of my favorite series. Yeah. I mean, he's this is what made him Freddie Krueger, and in, in my heart, so. I'm going to have to go with Dream Warriors for the heart category.
1: And I'm going to add on to the bandwagon. I'm definitely going Dream Warriors for closer to the heart for me, which leads us to, I think this is going to be the most interesting one in terms of which one is more important to the genre. I E if you get rid of one of these, which leaves 1987 poorer. So
3: Mark Nato, do you want to lead us off with this one? Uh, I would say that just on the, the thought that so many more people saw Dream Warriors, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that there'd be a lot more people whose lives would not be, you know, as good. <laughs> you know, I don't think that <laughs> Prince of Darkness wasn't a, uh, you know, a success, right? I mean, it, the budget was $3 million to make and it only earned $14 million. But it was during that time when he really had kind of his free
1: reign to do a lot of cool little punk rock carpenter stuff. So there is mm -hmm. that.
3: Yeah, I just think I just think that uh, Dream Warriors was more cultural, culturally significant. And I think the the world would 87 (laughs) would not be the same without the Dream Warriors. I mean, it, it, it would it would adversely affect Don Dawkins' career. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, who knows where Don would have ended up had he not had that hit.
2: In the arms of the Dawkins for just 50 cents a day we can have dream warriors.
1: Because <laughs> it really did put them, I mean, beyond like breaking the chains and everything else, you know, it really was the one of the big songs. So, going to so, so forget
3: go- Unchain the Night, Tooth the Nail, Oh, Tooth and Nail. Come on. uh, In My my Dreams, which doesn't have anything to do with Dream Warriors, but there's another song of (laughs) theirs, In My Dreams. But anyway, I was a big Dawkins fan, I swear. I am not faulting
1: you at all, man. Are you kidding? That's the good stuff. Uh, Genius. Okay, so
2: if Dream Warriors just disappeared, Mm -hmm. I think Freddy Krueger would have disappeared with it. We wouldn't have the rest of the series if something subpar you know, because if it just went on two alone, it it wouldn't be. You would have left um, in the butt with a towel. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, and and Freddy Krueger wouldn't be Freddy Krueger. So, with that just alone, I mean, I'm gonna have to go with. I'm gonna have to go with Dream Warriors. And if Prince of Darkness disappears, that's okay. I got more I can do.
1: That to me is the thing that I'm looking at just in terms of, I, I love Prince of Darkness. In fact, I really, I think it's probably my favorite of the two. Comparing them, but because of that, because of everything you guys have said, yeah. because of the fact that, unfortunately, if you get rid of Prince of Darkness, we still have Halloween, Escape from New York. that mm-hmm. We have the Carpenter catalog. Right. This one is one of my faves from 87, but, man, if you got rid of Dream Warriors, like you said. So to me, unfortunately, I love Prince of Darkness, love right. Carpenter, but I've got to go with Dream Warriors as well.
2: The, this one, this bracket to me, the Dream Warriors versus Prince of Darkness... I hate to say, to me, it was kind of a no-brainer for me, mm-hmm. but it was a heartbreaking no-brainer. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because Prince of Darkness is such a good movie. Like you said, it's terrifying. It, it's it's, And this is actually
1: the song he played live that's going <laughs> on in the background now. It's fantastic.
2: It's so good. So, I mean, Ugh. but if it was to lose to something, I'm glad it was Dream Warriors. I so.
1: agree. I agree. So I guess we are in agreement then that Dream Warriors is moving on. Mm-hmm. I believe so. Excellent. So, man, that means making its way to the hate for the round of the Hateful Eight. All right. Representing 1987, we have man. It's coming down to Hellraiser and <laughs> versus Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors this is exciting stuff mm, man that's, that's a tough battle
3: yeah that one tough battle, and
1: i'm glad you know you were able to help us you know get of. Rid- actually mark nato i'm holding the blood of evil dead 2 and prince of darkness on your hands i'm just saying that right now nothing bad or anything s- but... swallow your
2: soul <laughs> swallow this you
3: know <laughs> so I really uh i really feel bad that uh I- I had to uh, to say what I said about Evil Dead too, and I will not get hate mail. <laughs> that's good. Hate mail, absolutely.
2: Just for the record, I, I championed Evil Dead. <laughs> well, to me, that's the beauty of
1: uh, you know bringing on people of differing opinions, right. because otherwise, you know, Genius and I we usually agree on a lot of stuff. So I yeah. love it when we get to, and also well thought out, you know, educated reasons, and that's what I think you get with a lot of this stuff in the Phantom Podcast Network.
2: Yeah, like showing your work.
3: Sure. Yes, we do the horror map yeah, here. Yeah, it's not like, yeah, man, that, that movie was cool. <laughs> yeah. now, we've got
1: reasons why it was cool. That's indeed, indeed. So that being said, uh, this is about the time. I think we're going to go ahead and take a break here. So Mark Nato, number one, again. Thank you so much for taking the time out to debate with us um to to play with us if you will here you (laughs) know in the realm of the uh the phantom podcast network so again please tell our listeners where
3: and when can they find you again uh the horror cast on the phantom podcast network uh downrightcreepy.com also you know anywhere your local uh podcasts are downloaded itunes stitcher all that good stuff um at The H-Cast on Twitter. Again, if you'd like to give me some uh, personal death threats and <laughs> things about uh, Evil Dead 2, and I'm, I'm talking to you, Bruce Campbell. Um, <laughs> just go ahead and tweet those out, at The H-Cast. And, uh, and, and again, on Facebook, uh, if you go to Facebook and search The Horror Cast Official, that's our group. And, uh, like I said, we've got some good conversations that, um, you know, get started on there. It's it's just a, a good place to uh, have a conversation with like-minded individuals. And it's a very um, respectful group. Nice. And we kind of moderate that, make sure there's no spam and that kind of stuff. So it's just a, a fun group to be a part of. So nice. okay, You'll probably see us over there soon then, if that mm-hmm. is the case. Um, so
1: again, thank you, Mark Nato, for taking the time out for that. So we're going to take a break here, gang. When we come back, uh, Patrick Bromley of the F This Movie podcast is going to be Working it out with us to see which film, Hellraiser or the Dream Warriors, will represent 1987 in the Frightful Four. We'll be back.
0: Hmm.
2: Hey, listeners, you're listening to Nightmare Junkhead.
0: Nightmare Junkhead.
2: With Genius McGee
0: and Greg D. I'm Saul Salguerrero from Lucha Gore Productions. <laughs> Gore is love, baby.
1: All right, gang, we are back. And so far, we have whittled four 1987 horror classics down to two. Yep. And we're going to continue to whittle them down to just one. We're going to see which film represents the 1987 bracket in the Frightful Four. And as promised, you know something this special, we had to bring in a new guest. Uh, you can read his work over at DailyDead.com, Blumhouse.com and fthismovie.net, or as we also just recently found out, fthismovie.com. He is the host of the F This Movie podcast. Uh, he waxed philosophical with us about Craig R. Baxley on the Nerds of Nostalgia podcast. So welcome to the first time on Nightmare Junkhead, Patrick Rombley.
4: Hi, guys. Welcome. Thank you for... Uh, it, it's great to be talking to you again.
1: Oh, well, that's very kind of you. so <laughs>
4: awesome. We're, uh, we're glad to talk to you. I was going to say thanks for having me back on, but technically this is my first time on this show, so I... I backpedaled a little bit. It's all about
1: reverse <laughs> engineering, you know. Right. And let's face it, Craig R. Baxley, you know, there's not a lot of horror with that. So, uh, Matthias, oh, uh, that's
2: true. <laughs> from *My coming Peace*, he's a he's a monster himself. He is. So, before we
1: get into everything that we're doing here, please um, plug your social media, promote anything that's going on, tell our listeners where can they find you out on the social media.
4: Oh, absolutely. Um, As you had said, I I have a site called FThisMovie, and so we're on Twitter, just at FThisMovie, or you can find our website at FThisMovie.com. My social media is just at Patrick Bromley. Um, And then, as you said, I I also write for Daily Dead and Blumhouse, and those are just, you know, at Daily Dead News and at Blumhouse. Um, I'm a a, a sort of infrequent contributor there, but uh, so most of my stuff can be found at FThisMovie or just at Patrick Bromley.
1: Excellent. Yeah, and I'm fthismovie.net. Just the, the website itself is so geek nerd friendly it's almost like the written version of the podcast just in terms of your features that you put out there like um adam's little piece that he did i think it was either today or yesterday talking about like midnight movie memories and all the craziness that comes from it it's just always a good read just get pure nostalgia so yeah it's one of those things for our listeners a lot of the listeners for nightmare junket are horror based but you know let me tell you he covers horror there as well
4: (laughs) yeah it's you know when the site started it was definitely kind of like i'm trying to be a little bit of everything to everyone and as it has continued i realized like now i'm just writing about the stuff that interests me so it's all just here's an article on puppet master (laughs) like no one cares about this but i do so i'm gonna write it
1: well honestly it's it's nice to find someone that loves like (coughs) walter hill as much as we do on the
4: podcast
1: um and especially like i'm so excited for that streets of fire uh special edition blu-ray that's coming out here in a few weeks
4: which uh, yeah um, I, it was so funny because the day it announced my twitter just blew up because everyone's like did you see this did you hear about this because everybody knows i'm obsessed with it <laughs>
1: it's amazing well even the fact that today they just announced that uh rawhead rex yes
4: of all movies rawhead, <laughs> rawhead rex, rex is getting, getting a four- like a 4K restoration. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are living in the best timeline right now. It is bananas. It, the stuff we are getting in high def is so great.
1: I've always, if you ever wanted to see a priest get pissed on in like high def, <laughs> this is the chance and your opportunity. This, these we are these are truly the golden times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Damn genius! Really, really. <laughs>
1: so, um, a couple of things here in terms of the um, F this movie podcast. Um, I'm curious, how did because we talked a little bit about on nerds but how did that come together the podcast itself
4: honestly it was just a thing where I was listening to some movie podcasts back in like 2009 and around 2010 I just thought you know I could maybe do this I have friends and this is what we do we sit around and talk movies anyway so now why not record it put it out and again at the time it was just we were putting it out to no one it just existed <laughs> And has found an audience over the years, which is super cool. But it it, it honestly was just kind of an extension of the conversations that we were having anyway, which has been really cool because it's essentially, you know, like you guys, it's just a podcast that I do with my friends. So um, it's just kind of an extension of, of our friendship, which is a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad to see it growing as much as it is because it's one of my favorites because from week to week, in terms of what you cover, you go from anything from, you know, you've got mail to, I love the episode you did with your wife that was just such saccharine sweet, just pure, it was so adorable, it was wonderful, it was just so genuine, and I think that's what, I honestly, I think that's why it's doing so well is because you are a genuine person, you're just a true nerd. And you can hear it, and it just it it's kind of a, a solve, if you will, you know. <laughs> so I'm glad it is going where it is. But um, recently, just today, uh, there was an announcement on Daily Dead. You want to maybe break that one out for us?
4: Sure. Yeah, Daily Dead just announced the launch of its own podcast. About a year ago, they did kind of a reader survey just to kind of see, hey, what would you guys like to see more of? What do you like? And the most requested thing was a Daily Dead specific podcast, and so. We are launching a new horror podcast called Corpse Club. Um, we recorded the first episode. It's not out yet. I believe it'll drop sometime in May. Um, and then Corpse Club is also going to be sort of an online uh, community and kind of a, a, a club, as, as it were. So it's going to be more than just a podcast. It's still, you know, we're still kind of figuring out what things are. But uh, the first episode was a ton of fun to record. It was myself. And Jonathan, who's the the editor in chief over there, Heather Wixon, who comes on if this movie mm-hmm. all the time. So if you listen to us, you are familiar with her and she's great. She's the managing editor over at Daily Dead. And then Scott and Derek, two of the other writers over there and myself. So it was a lot of fun to just sit around and, you know, geek out about horror movies.
1: I was going to say, now, are you guys going to focus more on like new horror, old horror? Uh, what's you know, have, the, have you figured out the
4: format yet? No, not exactly. This first episode is very much, I, I, I don't think I'm spoiling anything, it was very much about kind of like, hey, get to know, you know, the hosts. And so it was really all old horror. We just kind of talked about a bunch of our favorite horror movies and kind of our, our first horror movie, those kinds of things, just to get a sense of where everybody's coming from. So my guess is it'll be kind of a mix of, of both.
0: Nice, nice, nice. Is this
4: going to be now, is this going to be a weekly podcast, bi-weekly, monthly not weekly to start mm-hmm. uh and i would probably be speaking out of turn if i predicted how often it would be uh released right now i sure. think that's still kind of being figured out
1: okay cool well i'm i'm, I'm anxious to hear that because it adds to
4: the mystique
1: It really is. yes it does <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned you guys talked a little about kind of how you got into horror um what was what do you think was your gateway into the world of horror
4: honestly my gateway was not a movie it was these the series of books. Uh, that I used to check out I used to live down the street from my local library and as soon as I was old enough to walk there by myself (laughs) or with my older brother or sister um, I would just go there and I want to say it was called like Hillcrest Publishing or or something like that it was this series of books on movie monsters they had these orange back covers yes yeah so each one was (laughs) devoted to a different you know there's one on Frankenstein one on King Kong one on Yes. And that's all I read. I mean, I would check those out and then return them and then check them out again. And I memorized (laughs) the plots and the actors and the pictures this past Christmas um, as a gift. My mom actually got me a copy of this other book. It's not in that series. It's just called movie monsters. And it was the, I mean, I hadn't looked at it in 30 years or more and it all came back to me immediately. <laughs> I remember exactly what the pictures were, exactly what the copy was. Like I had that book memorized. And so that was honestly my end. That was what got me hooked. And I think it just had something to do with the monster designs where I was like, Ooh, this is so cool. I want to see more of this. And so then that led to maybe wanting to seek out some of those movies. But back then, uh, they, you had to wait till they were on TV basically. Mm-hmm. Um, my library had some like vhss that you could check out but they didn't really have any of the universal monsters uh which was you know pretty much all i could handle at that point my first real horror movie uh i think like my first r rated horror movie i think was creepshow <laughs> and uh and yeah i mean like except for the the cockroaches like upset me a great deal certainly <laughs> Just that last shot of E.G. Marshall. That was a that was I yeah. think the thing that scarred me the most. But the rest of it, I was all in. I was like, not really scared because you know it's it's even Fluffy. It, didn't Fluffy mess you up? Fluffy did not mess me up. Oh honestly. my goodness. I just thought it was cool. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: I was that nightmare fuel
1: for me back in the day.
2: That one there. Now, I I don't know if you heard me freak out in the back when you were talking about those books, but I know exactly the ones you're talking about. Um, I still have the King Kong one and all the pictures were black and white stills from the, yeah. And there was a Frankenstein. There was all the universal monsters. And then there was a King Kong Godzilla, the, the big ones. Mm -hmm. They were so fun. I I totally (laughs) remember those books. I was like,
4: I'm not not the only one. I'm not the only one. So (laughs) I, I, I suspect that that was a gateway for a lot of people
0: mm-hmm.
1: See now when I was in elementary school I distinctly remember they weren't time <coughs> life books per se mm-hmm. but, but there were these ones that they and I, very distinctly they had this like white cover mm-hmm. and then they had the various pictures but they would focus on things like Bigfoot uh, the uh, the Bermuda Triangle UFOs. And I was the only one in my school that, like you said, Patrick, you would be the one that would just, your name would be the only one on the slip (laughs) that you would find in the back because you just, you were drawn to those. Mm -hmm. And I'm still to this day trying to find those, but it's just one of those. I don't know if it's just a product of its time or if I'm going to have to spend a hundred dollars for a freaking Mm -hmm. book on eBay.
2: Right. Eighth printing. (laughs) Yes,
1: unfortunately. So, um... In terms of the horror origin, you know, getting into that, so you were kind of just drawn to it through the aesthetics, which I think a lot of us are initially. Um, Did you ever have uh, any of those issues growing up in terms of a truly scary movie?
4: Not really, I don't think. Um, Honestly, the things that would scare me the most were when I didn't see the movie and I just had um, certain images. I remember Mm -hmm. a friend of mine saw Nightmare on Elm Street before me and he came back to school, elementary school, and he was describing certain scenes in the movie. And that terrified me. <laughs> he described like, oh, this guy, he gets sucked down into his bed and then all his blood comes shooting out. So when I went over to his house to watch it, uh, unbeknownst to my parents, um, I was scared of that happening on screen. But then once it did, I was fine, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. or like I remember seeing a shot From Halloween three of the kid in the pumpkin mask, oh yes, face, and I couldn't understand what was happening in in the image without context. I was like, oh my god, I think his head is melt. I think that mask is melting his head, and that scared me. And then when I saw it, I was like, no, 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 it's just snakes and bugs crawling out of his head. That's fine. I'm not scared of that.
1: Yeah, it kind of goes to show just the power of the imagination, and you know, everything is so much scary in our mind than what Mm -hmm. we actually see on film. So one of the things, just in terms of we just spent uh, some time with Mark NATO from the horrorcast podcast breaking down our 1987 bracket for into the mouth of March Madness we uh, painstakingly, Went from Evil Dead 2 and Hellraiser to Hellraiser, and then uh, this one was tough, but uh, Prince of Darkness and Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, The Dream Warriors came out on top. So we are here Mm -hmm. to break down and kind of debate which film would better represent 1987 into the tournament, Hellraiser or Dream Warriors. But before (coughs) we get into that, we always kind of talk about on the podcast... um, the relationships that you build with films and for Mm -hmm. some people that seems silly but for people like us I think you know you really foster a relationship with a film almost like you would with a friend Mm -hmm. and so I'm curious Patrick um, in terms of between Hellraiser and Dream Warriors just kind of what is your background with those films?
4: So my relationship with Nightmare on Elm Street 3 is a little bit Weird because <laughs> I like it. I think it's a really good movie. I think it's really fun. Of course, I loved it growing up. I would get excited when the docking video would come on. <laughs> I was I was all in, right? And then over the years, I'm not gonna trash talk that movie because I really like that movie, but I will admit I have this sort of resentment towards it because the original Nightmare on Elm Street is my favorite horror movie of all time. Like I just think it's, it's a complete masterpiece mm-hmm. and a lot of people prefer part three, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, part three, and I, I'm sure this is going to come up as we kind of talk about what represents 1987, but to me, part three is where the series kind of solidifies like, okay, here's what it is mm-hmm. going forward. Everybody's yeah. just copying part three. So I have a little bit of resentment towards it because I'm like, well, that's but that's not the one that I that's not where I wanted the series to go. You know, I like part one and three turns it kind of jokey and silly. Um, So when people will argue with me like, no, three's the best. I have a weird resentment towards it, but I still really like the movie. So Mm -hmm. it's 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 a weird relationship. Um,
2: Love hate relationship.
4: Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) Um, Hellraiser, I just think is kind of a flat out masterpiece um, and yeah. then I have to argue with people about that one too because I have friends who are like what no, really I don't get it and I'm what? just like are you out of your mind like that movie's so good but these are friends who like probably wouldn't name horror as their favorite genre makes sense I, mean, yeah. I don't yeah. make sense know. I have friends with these people but, <laughs> uh, I think, I think you blew that so one I there. get that you know it's so weird because these movies are at such kind of opposite ends of the spectrum because yeah razor is almost humorless you know it is not fun in the way that elm street 3 is (laughs) Um, but to me hellraiser is still kind of the definitive clive barker on screen rawhead rex close second Listen, (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) we got to travel to midian maybe you know get into there as well
4: right i mean i love his other two movies as well i i love all three of his movies but to me hellraiser is like this is clive barker you know really kind of brought to life on screen Mm -hmm. um so I love both movies. I, I prefer one, but obviously I can oh, yeah. save that till the end. But I think it's pretty obvious already.
1: It's it's seeping out a little, almost like Frank <laughs> okay, okay. rebirthing right. there. So um, by any chance, were you were you a fan of Clive uh, Barker's work, just in terms of the written text?
4: I am a monster who just started reading Clive Barker probably two years ago. <laughs> um, So I was familiar with his movies and loved him in that. And I'm pretty sure I like tried to read Cabal like in junior high when Nightbreed came out. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't get this. (laughs) Um, So about two years ago, I finally picked up like that, you know, 1500 or 2000 page giant books of blood with all of them in there and kind of plowed my way through that and then read a bunch of his novels. Um, Although I still have not read hellbound heart oddly enough interesting
1: uh, interesting yeah
4: um so i love him as a writer i mean i possibly even more than i do as a filmmaker um yeah. but maybe i haven't read some of his like stinkers yet i don't know if he stinkers i don't know well, with everything his, i've read i've dug so.
1: with his i'm sure it's a dirty stinker anyway just because <laughs> big steamy dirty stinker. yeah you mentioned it and it's definitely one of those things that really stands out is when you're kind of comparing these two films like you said totally yeah. they are so <laughs> different mm-hmm. that it makes a comparison a little bit weird so one of the things that we're going to look at just in terms of breaking these down um a little bit more analysis in terms of what we did with uh, mark nato from the first section is i I want to say just in terms of looking at specific things from the 80s from 87 and mm-hmm. I think just in terms of in generalities here we can all agree that it, the 1980s were kind of the heyday of like practical special effects. Yeah where the the people behind the camera not even the directors you know fiends like us thanks to fangoria you know we got to seek these things out and we read about all these people Mm -hmm. and so i definitely think um tiny starting the conversation is and i'm just going to throw this out here which movie in your opinion had the better special effects and i'm going to let genius do you want to start on with this one our guest first patrick please
4: Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> I, I love the effects in Hellraiser. Again, not throwing any shade at Hellraiser, but uh, I mean one of the charms of Elm Street 3 is just what an amazing magic show it is and how many different types of special effects mm-hmm. they're using. Um, puppetry and latex and stop motion and just you know miniatures and then a giant penis freddy head and uh (laughs) there is so much cool stuff going on in that movie that uh i i i don't think it can really be topped in terms of imagination Mm -hmm. and execution of just some really wild ideas so for me it's elm street 3 Yeah, and I
1: think that's it's very true just in terms of kind of the worlds they're both in. Both of them are very Mm -hmm. dreamlike in terms of how they're presented. So it really gives them kind of carte blanche to go crazy. And Kevin Yeager's work in Dream Warriors is it's almost unparalleled just even looking at the Freddy worm just in terms of how that is it's a practical thing that could pract they could you know almost swallow Actually you eat you. Yeah. you know and that you don't see that anymore uh-huh. and so definitely a lot of the craft is really lost now so it's kind of sad when you watch these films now thinking about just all the hard work that went in. And it's always funny when you watch those retrospectives, a lot of the special effects guys, they're always about like we did things in camera Mm -hmm. and there was a pride to that, which I think is pretty rad just because you
2: don't really see that anymore. Right Um, now about the better special effects for me. um, First, I'm going to talk a little bit about Hellraiser. Mm -hmm. The scene where Frank is coming out of the ground is disturbing and terrifying um the special effects in hellraiser are so good uh the cenobites are iconic The there's the whole the chattering teeth one the the big the big fat one you know butterball butterball um the the, the monster that comes from the the nether that, the engineer thing right that's very scary the only thing that really kind of like i'm like come on you could have done better than that was um when she finally closed the, the, the box, mm-hmm. and like you see the little cartoon lines take out the Cenobites, and Pinhead's like, ah, with like cartoon <laughs> lines. That where I'm like, ugh. That being said, other, other than that, the creatures and the effects were phenomenal in Hellraiser. But, like Patrick said, and like you said, just the different types of special effects used in Dream Warriors, and done so well mm-hmm. the harryhausen puppet transformation um, the uh, and the fact that the harryhausen puppet kills john saxon <laughs> the fact that
1: john saxon is in the film should point a little bit more towards dream warriors <laughs> right
2: um, the whole uh, the the veins coming out of that guy the the little mouth uh, track marks on the girl, the um, the junkyard, the mirrors sequence, the ready for prime time, bitch. That one, that one, when he's his head comes out of the TV and the 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 the, the, the faucet turning into claws. Such ingenious practical effects, and very much in lieu of a nightmare. mm Mm-hmm. It is because it, like if I see something like cartoon lines, I'm gonna be like, I'm dreaming. This is bullshit. But like if all of a sudden the microphone. That I'm talking into right now. Turn into technical, uh, like Freddy hands. I would be shitting my pants. So for the special effects aspect. I got to give it to Dream Warriors. Not that there's anything wrong with the Hellraiser. Because that yeah. that scene of Frank. Is terrifying. But a w- couple of good set pieces versus an entire movie full of great set pieces special effects i gotta go to dream
1: warriors that makes a lot of sense and i will say just in terms of even looking at the the, the monsters of mm-hmm. the, the film so the the Cenobites and freddy the work that goes with them as well you know with hellraiser you get more of a variety of monsters mm-hmm. with the Cenobites, but you don't really see them as often right they're More in the peripheral, so I think a little um, less is more kind of approach with those. Um, but like you said, though, with, with Nightmare Man, it's just constantly but and
2: it's hitting you, but it's good hits, yes. like just I, I can't even imagine. And even the cheesy Harryhausen, it, it's charming, it, it's charming. It's it's not, it, it's way better than it was back in like Jason and the Argonaut days, you know, not much, but a lot better. Um, but it, like you said, it's charming, it adds that nostalgic factor. To a movie that's brand new in 87, you know? And I will sh- shout out, it's
1: Bob Keen did the special effects in Hellraiser. And we'll see more of his work in the tournament, because he did the special effects for uh, Event Horizon, uh, Waxwork, and Nightbreed. that
2: make a lot of fucking sense, man. Right? <laughs> There's some connective dots on that one.
1: And the other thing that I kind of want to point out as well is just the sound design in Hellraiser. Because Frank's rebirth, not only is it visually striking... Juicy. And you can hear all the tendons, all the connective tissue literally forming. Mm -hmm. And to me, that adds some points to it. But I think you guys really present a great case for Dream Warriors. So I'm going to have to go with Dream Warriors as well on that one, just in terms of the special effects and just making it more of a crazy world. So, okay, well, I guess Dream Warriors takes it with special effects. So that being said... We're talking about films from 1987 in the 80s Um, in terms of what do you guys think is more of a better representation of the overall aesthetics that we found in the 80s, 87 in the horror genre just in terms of, and not necessarily aesthetics, but also tone mm-hmm. and feel. Let's let's put it this way, you know, what's the more scary film? What's the more fun film? You know, which one ultimately will you re-watch? So, in terms of a uh, better representation of the, just everything that's going on in 87, uh, what do you guys think on that one, between Hellraiser and Dream Warriors?
2: Um, I'll take this one, if, if you don't mind. Patrick? No, go ahead. Okay, cool. Uh, for for 87 representation of what encapsulates the 80s i'm looking at it almost at at a, not a time capsule quality but let's just take a look at hellraiser mm-hmm. hellraiser there's really no specific time there's really you could make remake hellraiser in the, in the 90s in the 2000s in the 60s and still tell basically the same story dream warriors on the other hand it incorporated not only one of the main troubles that was going on at the time, which is drugs and teenage suicide, Don't which was it. huge exactly, which was <laughs> huge in the 80s, but there was also um, the punk when she's beautiful and bad, a little bit of punk music. Wrestling was huge then. Kincaid becomes the wrestler, the strong man. Mm-hmm. So I and then the whole the, whole, the Dick Cavett uh, <laughs> the Dick Cavett escapades and the Ready for Prime Time bitch on all that. For me, for a better representation, is Dream Warriors because it is more of an '80s film as opposed to like not to saying Hellraiser. Not to not say that neither of these movies are not timeless. Both these mm-hmm. movies are very timeless, but I think Hellraiser can be put in any. Decade and still be Hellraiser if you take the core of dream warriors and put it in like the 70s It wouldn't work. You know what I'm saying? Even nowadays It would still work a little bit, but there would be so much more like are you being bullied? You know, you know It's just a a lot more. I think for time for this category I have to go dream warriors because of it's more of a time capsule movie Plus, big hair big absolutely
1: (laughs) That makes sense. Okay. What do you think on that Patrick?
4: Uh, yeah, I, I I agree. I would have to go Dream Warriors as well. I think as you had said, Genius, like uh Hellraiser I think even in eighty seven, Hellraiser felt unlike most other stuff that was being made at the mm-hmm. time, which is part of its appeal. It mm-hmm, was like, yeah this guy, Clyde Barker and he is just completely setting himself apart from what so many other people are doing. And yeah, the movie does kind of feel except for maybe like julia's hair i think almost everything about it is pretty timeless um and dream warriors yeah for all the reasons that you mentioned i i honestly think if you know aliens landed tomorrow and wanted to see you know show me your best example of what 80s horror was i, I mean i think you're maybe talking about maybe three movies and i don't even know what two of them are but one <laughs> is definitely dream warriors you know because it is it is it's it's a mix of everything it's a little bit scary it's a lot of fun it has comedy it has so many effects it has an iconic slasher who became a you know a, a huge <laughs> pop culture icon mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. has the you know the Dawkins soundtrack <laughs> yes, yes it in. does it has uh, like you said it has these different representations of things that were going on in the 80s whether it's destroyer TV or, or- <laughs> teenage suicide like you said i just think it really is such a perfect encapsulation of what is special about 1980s horror the imagination it's 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 the mixture of imagination kind of a a sense of playfulness and fun and then the ability to execute a lot of the ideas because Mm -hmm. you know i love a lot of contemporary horror but the budgets have been slashed to the degree where they can't They can't work on that scale. They can't execute the ideas that they have. So we maybe get one or two little things per movie. Dream Warriors, it was like, here's a bunch of money. Do what you do. And so they were able to execute all these crazy big ideas in a way that I think was really possible in the 80s and and not really before or since. So to me, uh, Dream Warriors represents the 80 all of 80s horror you know including 87 better than almost any other movie
1: yeah and honestly Hellraiser to me kind of feels more like a transition into something different because if you think about the 80s you think about excess Mm -hmm. you know we've got the 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 rising middle class this and that and so you know uh, Dream Warriors is filled as you guys mentioned crazy excessive set pieces and also it is it's a fun movie yeah this is one of those that you can throw on at any time because for me Hellraiser I almost have to be in a kind of a certain mood to watch it, because uh, it, it's it's a d- dour film. It's juicy. <laughs> it, yeah, and as we mentioned before, it also feels more of an adult like film.
0: Uh-huh. For me, man, Come I, to daddy.
1: yeah, I want to have fun with my horror films, and you get that with um, with Dream Warriors, and also just in terms of the iconic status. If you kind of compare. Like Pinhead and Freddy, mm-hmm. like you said, Patrick. I mean, Freddy was kind of already weaving his way into the pop culture consciousness mm-hmm. to the point that with the next film, with you know Dream uh, Warriors, excuse me, Dream Master, he's he really truly explodes. Right. So I think with this one here, you get that nice combination of there's some not not scary for us, but you know maybe a first time into horror. There's some genuine you know horror in part three, but you yeah. also get that nice miss of the levity. Well, and the wackiness.
2: Yeah, and it's and piggybacking on your point on that one. If you notice, a lot of the movies that we have in eighty, most more in eighty seven than any other thing. These are all campy, fun yeah. movies. Uh, Evil Dead Two, uh, Creepshow Two, The Gate was fun. Um, Lost Boys has a lot of good comedic moments. Not Prince of Darkness, not <laughs> Near <your> Dark, dark. <laughs> not Hellraiser. But if you look at the other brackets, like the other ones in it. Not there's nowhere near as many as eighty seven. So I mean I think the eighties was paying homage to be scary, but also, hey, it's the eighties. Let's have some fun. You know? And the other thing as
1: well, just in terms of the characters that you find in both films, you get more youthful representation in Dream Warriors. So honestly, that's you know, usually when you're, you know, at that age, you're gonna identify with them more. You know, rewatching Hellraiser I can't identify with Diddling
2: Frank. No, that's I can't
1: between him and like Andrew Robinson showing up as the Scorpio killer, you know, and he's the, he's our guy we're rooting for. Yeah. And so I think there's definitely a contrast in terms of the people that you're behind in both films. So I really feel just in terms of eighties aesthetic, you need that fun. You need that bombasticness yes. and you get that with nightmare. You get, you get docking. I mean, Freddie, so you, get,
2: you get it in spades, you, dude.
1: Yeah. Damn right. You do. <laughs> Freddie has gone toe to toe with docking the fat boys, DJ Jazzy Jeff and fresh Prince while Pinhead has only really gone up against uh, Lemmy, which
0: right. well, you it's still,
1: yeah, yeah, you know, that's, yeah. that's, that's heavy company there. But yeah, I just really think if you're looking at something that is a representation of the 80s, truly. Dream Warriors does that as well, so I've definitely got to put my vote in with Dream Warriors on that. Man, this is just siding really heavy on Dream Warriors so far. Here. So
0: far,
2: it's just sweep. Now I'm gonna be contrary. Hellraiser, 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 Hellraiser.
1: So um, we're talking. We're obviously celebrating 30 years of these films from '87. Um, you know, they've got legs. They've carried on. They have a legacy. So ultimately, what do you think that we are going to be talking about 30 years from now? are we going to continue to talk about dream warriors or will we talk more about hellraiser? Cause that's the, in terms of, you know, both, both of them have legs with their legacy, but which one will outlast the other one? You know, like, like you said, Patrick, you know, if aliens come down, right. you know, which one would be a better one to look at?
4: Well, again, for me, uh, I'll admit that I'm partial to hellraiser as mm-hmm. a film and I think if we're if we're removing it from just trying to contextualize the 1980s, if mm-hmm. we're just taking it as a film, I think Hellraiser is the one that's going to stand the test of time uh, because it is adult, because it is sort of it, it, it exists outside of its period. Yeah. Um, I think. You know unfortunately it's one of these movies that gets a little bit weakened by a number of garbage sequels (sighs) diminishing returns ignoring those you know if if we're talking about what movie are we going to be talking about 30 years from now and if it's going to be an elm street movie you know i think we're talking about the original elm street 30 years from now we can say like oh and part three was fun and part three is where the series becomes what it is and it has these cool effects or whatever but just in terms of like hey let's talk about a great horror film that has stood the test of time um, I think I have to give the advantage to Hellraiser.
2: And I'm going to agree with you on that one because if we were talking about, like, the category, which is the... What are we talking about later? If we say Hellraiser, we're talking... Like you said, we're talking about the OG Hellraiser. But if we talk about Freddy Krueger, which one? Mm-hmm. You know? um, Two, four, twelve, if they keep making them more, you know? So for this one, I'm going to have to go with Hellraiser because it is an original thing. It is starting a franchise while uh, Dream Warriors, for me, and I'm sure a lot of people as well, that is the pinnacle Mm -hmm. of the franchise. So one where everything else is, not to use the term downhill, going downhill versus just starting up. I'm going to have to go Hellraiser on this one.
1: Yeah. I actually agree on that as well because I do think like you guys have mentioned that it is more of a film yeah. versus uh Dream Warriors which is more of an experience right Uh, and I do think it it serves itself to be not necessarily studied academically But you know there are some people that can look at the idea of sex and violence Mm -hmm. uh, The 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 partnership of those two and like you said this is a more it feels more like an adult film You feel like you're watching something that has more substance than say so I mean almost like it's the um, The the eating a lot of uh, cotton candy with Dream Warriors versus maybe having a nice bloody Ribeye, you know, with Hellraiser, you oh, know, yeah. both are great, but one's going to serve one purpose and the other's going to serve another. So I really nice analogy. Oh, thanks. Well, you know, uh
4: but I'm I was picturing my ribeye going, Julia, don't look at me.
1: <laughs> Come to tummy. <laughs> look at me.
4: <laughs>
1: and I rewatched Hellraiser and, and eat it with that slurping sound. Oh. Yeah. There's a moment when the Cenobites first show up, and I swear to God, I don't know what it is, but it's the. Chatterface, he goes up to christy and he literally gives her a mandible claw mankind style from wrestling when he puts his fingers in her yes. mouth Uh huh. that was so and i re-watched it recently and i had forgotten about that and it was i was just like what
2: what is happening why is he doing that and like and now it makes me like worry about going home with strange women oh yeah absolutely well it's because i never worried about it before hellraiser man yeah yeah
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, also the interesting thing is when you watch Dream Warriors, it does have the gratuitous nudity, but it's not necessarily s- sexy. Hellraiser,
2: I felt a little dirty rewatching it because it is such a... When she starts sucking on Frank's fingers when they it, doesn't have skin yet, I was like, ooh, Julia, you're gross! You
1: know, so... And so I'm not... I, I don't know if we're selling the, you know, all the good stuff, but it's just those kind of moments that really stick out yeah. and separate it from the other one. So yeah, I'm going to definitely say... The one we will be talking about 30 years from now is definitely Hellraiser. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, then it comes down to which one is going to be a better representation in the Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament, Hellraiser or Dream Warriors. So I'm going to throw this one out. We'll go ahead and we'll say genius. Let me let me ask in terms of, you know, we broke everything down. It looks like in terms of special effects, we all said Dream Warriors. Mm -hmm better representation of 87 aesthetics we all said dream warriors mm-hmm. but the one we're talking about 30 years from now we all said hell so right. how are we going to decide this
2: how are we going to break this one down um personally i gotta say uh i think the i'm gonna say dream warriors because one it won two of the categories already right and two one of the categories is best representation of 80s what is it that we're trying to do here We're trying to find the best representation of the 80s. So for that particular argument alone, I have to go with Dream Warriors. So not only did it win two, but you know, it's an 80s movie. You're being very logical. I like
1: that.
4: Spock (laughs) would enjoy that.
1: What do you think on that, Patrick?
4: I mean, I I can't disagree. Um, Mm -hmm. Because again, if you're trying to figure out what is the best representation of the 80s, then yes, I do think it's Dream Warriors. However, if we're considering, you know, if this is... Thunderdome, and i got a <laughs> fighter to go in, like, I'm gonna send Hellraiser into the ring, and even if I know, like, uh, he's probably gonna get clobbered, um, I want to believe in my guy, even as he goes down. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, I got to send Hellraiser in.
0: Hey,
1: ain't nothing wrong with being loyal to the end, dude. I agree. I agree. Oh, this is this is rough then, just because... Oh, so you're b- the
2: deciding vendor. I, I,
1: I didn't think that one through here. This is way too much pressure on me here. This is... And I love both films. Um, you know, obviously, I think with Hellraiser... Because it does lend itself to a more of an adult grown-up feel, mm-hmm. I think that kind of separates it from Dream Warriors, because Dream Warriors is a little bit more, I'm not going to say juvenile, right. but I think because of the tonal mismatch between the two, um, so a better representation, man, and just in terms, this is a tough one, and because I've got to go head versus heart on this one, you know, because they're going to be battling, because heart is telling me Dream Warriors, because uh-huh. that's one of my faves. But my head is telling me Hellraiser, just in terms of the, the, the cerebic uh, My the mind's
2: telling me no, but my body's telling me yes.
1: And because I rewatched both recently. and we, I, I got a coin if you need to flip, dude. I may have. Well, I'm afraid if we do that, like a hook will come out, grab it, and then we're in trouble. I'm going to think, ultimately, just in terms of... The icon, the iconography, you know, the, 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 you know, both are very Freddy versus pinhead, the claw versus the lament configuration. Mm-hmm. It's a tough one, but honestly, I, I really, I'm going to go with my heart on this one and I'm going to say dream warriors. Mm. <laughs> what was that genius?
2: That was, I was like, yes. <laughs> now that's not to say, no, not to say that Hellraiser is not a great movie. Hellraiser is fantastic. I, I, I love Hellraiser. In fact, I, in fact, it was one of the movies that scared the shit out of me. When I was younger, I don't know if you ever if you heard this story, Patrick, but uh, um, I couldn't watch Hellraiser. I saw, it, I tried to see it in the theater, and it got so freaked out and so scared. I had to go outside and like calm down and like play Donkey Kong just to like soothe my <laughs> nerves. I was terrified at that movie.
4: Do you remember what was what the thing was that put you over the edge?
2: It was Frank. <laughs>
4: Okay. It was Frank coming, like out, of, coming out, of, out of the floor. Uh-huh.
2: This first yeah.
4: and I'm like, "Holy
2: shit, I'm out of here," you know? And <laughs> I'll
4: never spill blood
2: <laughs> Right? And I was I was worried every time I got cut in the house. I was like, "No, no, 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 I mean, even when he was human, he lived in filth and squalor. You know? It was like, I seek ultimate pleasure. We probably get a lot more pleasure if you clean your fucking house. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Nobody wants to, like, find pleasure on this piss-stained mattress you got in the corner over there. You're
1: risking a lot of sepsis when you're partying (laughs) with Frank, unfortunately. No, I I definitely agree. But honestly, I can't also battle against a film that does feature John Saxon, (laughs) which, you know, huge fan. And obviously, you know, he, he... Spoilers, he dies in that one. But right. you know, I, I, I'm very comfortable kind of putting Dream Warriors forward. But depending on the day, man, Hellraiser yeah. for me could definitely so I'm we're just gonna say Dream Warriors going in, the Frightful Four, ready for prime time, apparently. So <laughs> curious then to find out what they're gonna be battling against. So um I guess that was technically that's that's the, the end of the long wow, episode. 87. Here, I know.
2: Wow. So I the winner of nineteen eighty seven is Nightmare Street 3 Dream
1: Warriors! Yes. So So, God, that was was quite a battle. So, Patrick, thank you very much for taking the time out to kind of debate this with us here. Um, Again, for our listeners, where can they find you out on the social media?
4: Yes, absolutely. I'm at uh, fthismovie.com or .net every day (laughs) or Twitter at fthismovie or my Twitter handle is at Patrick Bromley.
1: And make sure you guys are listening to this. The the one thing we wanted to make sure in terms of bringing on these guests is to promote other podcasts, Mm -hmm. Um, just the whole Potter and Family thing.
2: Um, And and if you didn't hear the episode with Patrick on where we talked about Craig R. Baxley, go to the Nerds and Nostalgia and check it out because that was a lot of fun. That was a blast. Yeah, so thank you
1: again, Patrick, for that. So uh, next week, gang, we're going to be going again further into the mouth of March Madness uh, as we bleed into April and May here. Come to daddy. (laughs) So until next week, gang, uh, this is Greg D.
2: And I'm a gross genius.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And we will see you
2: in your dreams.